following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our reading today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people what they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, my friends, good evening. And let me add my welcome to that of Zoe's. My name's Aaron, and it's my privilege to serve here as the Vicar of St Nick's. A particular welcome to you if this is your first time joining with us tonight. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Have mercy on me, a sinner. When I was 15 years old, I was invited to Sunday lunch by a friend from the church that I went to. Callum was a student at Birmingham University and he and his housemates made a routine of doing Sunday lunch together as a house whenever they could. As we sat down to an impressive looking table of roast beef and all the trimmings, Callum turned to me and asked if I would say grace. Now, in my defence, I should say that this was the first time in my life anyone had asked me to say grace before a meal. It wasn't something that I did at home or at school or anywhere else that I went. And so I prayed. It was a long and rambling prayer. And when I'd been going for about five minutes or so and was running out of words, I kind of sensed that I should be wrapping this up. When I lifted my head and was greeted by a very hearty Amen, I could tell from the looks of those around the table that I'd got it wrong and had probably uh, seriously overdone it, similar to the beef 
that we were about to eat that day. I must admit that I still cringe when I think back to that day. Now, in fairness to my 15-year-old self, I didn't know that eight or ten words would have just done the job. Thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Amen. Or bless this food and the hands that made it. Amen. Or bless this food, Lord, to our use and us to your service. Amen. The problem uh, with my grace prayer that day was that, as strange as it sounds, I didn't know how to pray simply. I prayed in a way that I thought was expected, born from having started my Christian journey in a Baptist church, where the tradition was for people to pray long, complicated prayers, which for a new uh, Christian like me, meant I thought I couldn't or shouldn't pray out loud in church, simply because I couldn't pray like them. I couldn't pray in the way I thought you were supposed to pray. I fell into the trap of thinking there was a right and proper kind of prayer, and those were the only kind of prayers that were somehow acceptable. But I was to learn on my onward Christian journey that nothing could be further from the truth. We are continuing on Sunday evenings our series on prayer, and this week we come to the topic of simple prayer. Now, in the book that accompanies this service, uh, How to Pray by Pete Gregg, and there are still copies available uh, from church, I'd encourage you to go and get one or to buy one. In that book, Pete Gregg boils down uh, praying simply to three key phrases. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. But because I'm not as uh, cool or funky as Pete Gregg, I want to approach this uh, topic tonight under three words that take uh, the same approach. And those words are simplicity, honesty and perseverance. Before then finishing with a look at the Jesus prayer and an invitation to incorporate that into your prayer life. So to begin with, simplicity. Back in 2014, the Church of England issued a series of prayers for the England football team who were playing in the World Cup finals in Brazil. Uh, one of the prayers, written by Nick Baines, the Bishop of Leeds, was especially familiar and was one that has been on the lips of every England football fan since 1966. It was a prayer that simply ran to two words. Oh God. Nick Baines, uh, who has described himself as a die-hard Liverpool fan, uh, has doubtless been familiarising himself with prayers of lament since the football results last weekend. But back in 2014, um, when explaining why he had written uh, the World Cup prayers, Bishop Nick said, God is not partisan, and certainly there are bigger things to pray for around the world than football. But at its heart, prayer is about expressing our desires, both simply 
and honestly. And having our vision of God, the world and one another changed by our praying. In our reading from Matthew's Gospel, which Miriam read to us earlier, Jesus tells his disciples not to make a big showy thing out of prayer, but rather to go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father in heaven. Instructions which seem even more apt in days such as these where lockdowns and restrictions mean that many of us have more opportunity than usual to follow such advice. And what happens when we go to our rooms, close our doors and begin to pray? What we discover is that God is there waiting for us. Not in the sense of someone waiting with their arms folded, wondering where we have been and why we have kept them waiting. But rather we discover the delight of a God who longs to spend time with his daughters and sons. God who delights in our coming to him in prayer and our choice to intentionally set aside time to spend in his presence. I love the uh, translation of our reading this evening that comes from the message version of the Bible, which at verse 7 of our reading tonight translates the text as, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors, peddling techniques for getting what they want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. So first, simplicity. Second, honesty. On Wednesday uh, of this week, a few days ago, the chaplain to the Archbishop of Canterbury, Isabel Hamley, delivered her thought for the day on Radio 4's Today programme. Now, as someone who has been suffering with long COVID and has been dealing with the impact of the virus for months, Isabel spoke about fear and the most repeated commandment in the Bible, which is do not fear. But she went on to focus on the words that follow that instruction. Do not fear, because I am with you. It's not that there aren't things to be afraid of, concerned or worried about, she said. Self-evidently, the words do not fear come because there's something scary on life's horizon. But rather, we are told by God that our response to those concerns or threats to our life or well-being should be viewed through the knowledge that God is with us and does not abandon us or leave us to face them on our own. God knows who we are. He knows of what we are made. He knows us completely inside and out. Our fears, our desires, our hiddenness, our sin. Your Father knows what you want before you ask him, says Jesus. 
And it's in the, that confidence that we come to a God who knows us so completely that we can bring all that we are before him. In the words of Mother Mary Clare of the religious orders of the Sisters of the Love of God, when you go before God in prayer, you cannot leave anything behind. You carry in your heart every person, every incident, every thought, every feeling you have ever had. And you lay yourself before God. So you bring all the mess as well. My prayer, she said, is really one sentence. Here I am, Lord. What a mess. So simplicity, honesty, and finally, perseverance. Many of you will know that as part of the community of St Cuthbert, each of us who seek to deepen our discipleship through the five rhythms of grace are encouraged in that first rhythm, the rhythm of prayer, to spend at least 10 minutes each day in prayer with God. And of course, one of the reasons for adopting uh, that particular rhythm is seeking to emulate Jesus, who we know throughout his ministry would withdraw into quiet places to spend time alone with God in prayer. In his book, How to Pray, Pete Gregg writes that a Christian who prays only when they feel like it may survive but they will never thrive. Their vast, innate potential will be stunted because grace needs a little space to take root amongst the cracks if a person's life is going to be full. We don't need uh, any of us really to be at the level, at uh, the incredible level of uh, the super saints who would spend hours and hours in prayer. I think it was Martin Luther who famously said, I find myself so busy these days that I find the need to spend at least three hours each day in prayer. But it is true that the more things we have pressing in on us, or even perhaps are anxious or worried about, the more important prayer becomes and the opening up of ourselves before God in prayer. Developing a regular habit of daily prayer is the gateway to a richer relationship with God. But there is a risk that prayer becomes yet another thing to do on the to-do list, or a burden, or a chore. Oh, I have to fit this into my day too. But two of the things that we can do to stop that being the case or becoming a chore or a burden is to make prayer both easy and enjoyable. Now, one of the unexpected consequences of the lockdown in March and ongoing restrictions is the number of ways in which it has suddenly become easier to join in in prayer. Whether it be online with others, uh, such as morning, midday or night prayer here at Nick's, where it's easy to log on and join in. There are alternatives, such as podcasts, 
like Leptio 365 or Pray As You Go, which provide an easy 15 minutes focusing on a Bible passage and then turning to God in prayer as you walk, run or jog. Prayer can also become enjoyable through variation or through the adoption of different ways of praying. Whilst here at Next, our use of the daily office works for many people, others, and I know this is hard to believe, can find it a bit dry or wordy. But there are alternatives which can work. The Ignatian approach of entering into conversation with God through a passage of scripture, as offered in the Pray As You Go podcast, or through Celtic daily prayer from the Northumbrian community, or perhaps spending time praying using song worship as an introduction, whether it be a Taze chant, a Will Reagan song that we might sing in a moment, or even a John Wesley hymn. If these are things that make your prayer time with God more enjoyable, then include them as part of your prayer and praise. Prayer can both be easy and enjoyable. I want to end with an encouragement and an invitation to experiment with a particular form of simple prayer, which the Eastern and Orthodox Church has used for centuries in what has become known as the Jesus Prayer or the prayer of the heart. It's a simple one-sentence prayer whose use has spread beyond the Eastern and Orthodox churches as a way of bringing oneself into the presence of God. It's the prayer that I started this sermon with, a short prayer of one sentence. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a prayer that I was introduced to when training for ordination and has become a constant companion as a prayer ever since. For me, it's a prayer that first reminds me of who Jesus is, his love and his grace for me and my utter dependence on him. It's a prayer which has been used for centuries by pilgrims and disciples as a way of finding their way into the presence of God and opening themselves up to his grace through slow, intentional repetition before God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The second thing uh, about this prayer is that it reminds me of who God is in Trinity. In his short book on the Jesus Prayer, Simon Barrington Ward wrote that this prayer is wholly Trinitarian in nature, in that it starts with the Spirit who is praying the prayer with us. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, that without being enabled by the Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord. And of course, that is how the prayer begins. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
The prayer focuses on the nature of who Jesus is, the living and ascended Christ who sits at the right hand of God and hears us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing that this prayer does for me is that it's a reminder to me of the nature and character of God the Father, whose nature is always to have mercy. Reminding us too of who we are in relation to him, to the divine, majestic creator God, who on his throne, in the words, in the picture of Isaiah 6, sits on his throne with the praises of the angels ever flowing, praises that we can join in with. This prayer invites us to a relationship with God through that slow, deliberate repetition. Entering, inviting us to enter in to the presence of Christ. Even though your mind might wander while you pray it, writes Bishop Barrington Ward, that repeated address to Jesus at the start of the prayer enables you to come back to it, drawing you in, leading to a stillness in the presence of God. Practising the presence of God through this simple one-sentence prayer can take you beyond the words and deeper so that the focus on Christ becomes the prayer itself. In the last year of his ministry as Archbishop of York, John Sentamu undertook a pilgrimage across the whole diocese of York. During a six-month period, he walked over a thousand miles and prayed with over 25,000 people using prayer beads, just like this. In my own practice of the Jesus Prayer, I have found these prayer beads to be a real help. Using the three small beads to pray the Jesus Prayer and the large bead to then say the Lord's Prayer and then to continue the pattern of the three small prayer beads followed by the large bead and the three small beads again. Now that Jesus prayer can be adapted so that in the end of it, instead of saying, have mercy on me, a sinner, it could be that we insert, have mercy upon this person whom God has laid on my heart, on this situation in the world that needs prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Recently, uh, we received a gift of 1,000 of these prayer beads, which are now at church. So could I invite you to come to church and to pick one up, perhaps on a Saturday, on a Wednesday, or even a Sunday when we are open for prayer, or alternatively get in touch with the office and ask for uh, one of these sets of prayer beads to be sent to you. Uh, it will be wonderful to join with you and to enable you how to pray this simple, special prayer. So let's end by praying together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, 
and bless you from me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.